This edition of the DV Show is sponsored by Total Media Tracks. Heighten the impact of your visuals with affordable music. Subscribe for as little as $12 per month or pay as you go. Visit TotalMediaTracks.com. Use code THEDVSHOW10 for 10% off all licenses. We go behind the scenes and take a close look at the longest-running, highest-rated holiday special in the history of television. Answering a retro stop-motion question on this edition of the DV Show. Podcasting the ins and outs of digital video. Digital, digital video. video. This, this is the DV Show. <laughs> the DV Show. You know, I love this time of year. It's when the Family Channel starts running all of the holiday animated classics like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, A Year Without Santa Claus, Santa Claus is Coming to Town, Rudolph's Shiny New Year, The Little Drummer Boy, the list goes on. And many of these stop-motion animated specials were produced by a company called Rankin-Bass Productions. And back in 1960, they were known as Videocraft International. Animagic is what they call their version of stop motion, which is a process using figurines which was already pioneered by George Pal and his puppetoons. Do you remember Gumby, Davy, and Goliath? Well, that's where it all started. Now, we always get questions on the DV show on how to do stop motion animation, how these productions are done, how does it, much does it cost, what's the process? Well, we're going to go back into the archives to a DV Show podcast interview originally released on December 8, 2008. Great interview that included Rick Goldschmidt, who was the official historian for Rankin Bass Productions at the time. And he's written two books on the animation studio, one called The Enchanted World of Rankin Bass and the making of the Rankin Bass holiday classic, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. This is definitely a classic interview that needed to be dusted off and was a pleasure to hear again. So let's step back in time to that gem of an interview. You know everything about this production company. Right. Well, I, um, I'm in contact with everybody that worked on the shows, and their memories are somewhat limited <laughs> because they've done a lot of different things over the years. So I kind of pieced together the the history of Rankin Bass from various sources, including all the guys that work on the stuff. Arthur Rankin and, and Jules Bass are are still living in, in New York, and uh, they pretty much say, call Rick. <laughs> if they can't remember something, uh, like when something came out or who worked on what. So that's the kind of thing that I that I take care of. Oh, that's that's a good position to be in. Now, where did these guys come from? How did now years and years ago they started with their first production in Arthur Rankin and Jules Bass. Now, you you know these guys personally, right? Right. Oh. Um, Arthur spends most of his time in Bermuda now, and uh, Jules lived in France for quite a while. But now he's he's making New York his permanent residence. Uh, Arthur was an art director at ABC, and Jules wrote jingles uh, for television commercials and worked for an advertising agency. So they just kind of formed Videocraft International, which became Rankin Bass, 
in the late 50s, early 60s. Now, they're still doing productions today, right? Do they still do... Uh... Well, not really. They, um, they're still, you know, sometimes they come up with ideas and they, they shop them around, but they're not really, they're semi-retired. Um, Jules Bass did write a, a novel called Headhunters mm-hmm. um, that was from an old television script from Rankin Bass, and Nicole Kidman bought the movie rights, and I think that's going to be her next movie. So that's kind of exciting. And Arthur Rankin did um, The King and I as an animated feature film back at the end of the 90s, and um, then did a special called Santa Baby for Fox and Coca-Cola. So that was fairly recent, but other than that, they're not really... um, fully in animation and television anymore. But their their productions still live on, and uh, me and my son still watch these things. And they're, they're, so, oh, yeah. they're so fun to watch. And, um, I mean, they personally did not animate these, right? They went out to a, a Japanese company? Right. Arthur actually oversaw the Japanese animation, though. He, uh, he still travels to Japan and still has... Um, some contacts there that are in the animation business. Um, So he knew that they could do stop motion, which they call Animagic, and it really became their trademark in entertainment. They've done a lot of other things, too, like live-action movies, and they've done cell animation, but the stop motion is really what they're going to be remembered for. Oh, yeah, definitely. Particular Rudolph. Uh, which is the longest-running, highest-rated TV special of all time. Oh, yeah, and you, you've done a book on that, the making of the Rankin-Bass holiday classic, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and you tour the country with some restored uh, uh, animatronic, I guess is what you want to call them, animated puppets. You you tour right. with that, which is pretty right. cool. Um, last weekend we were at uh, Brookfield Zoo and Borders Books and Music, and I do a lot of things like that. Even during the the summer, <laughs> we've had Rudolph and Santa at, like, comic book conventions. And this weekend, they're going to be in Pittsburgh at a mall, um, the Monroeville Mall, because the guy who owns them opened up a toy store there called Toy Galaxy. Uh-huh. Because he lives in Pittsburgh, um, it's been getting a lot of press. In fact, I just put up on my blog um, his appearance on the local CBS affiliate out there. So there's been a lot of interest. We uh, we were in an Associated Press article last week, and that created a lot of buzz about the uh, the Rudolph and Santa puppets being discovered and and uh, restored. The company that restored them, um, Screen Novelties. They're good friends of mine, and I knew they could do the job because they restored some of Ray Harryhausen's puppets. Oh, wow. Even animated them in a short called The Tortoise and the Hare. Okay. Which was one that Ray Harryhausen did, didn't finish. And then um, they also work on a new show called Robot Chicken, which is on uh, Cartoon <laughs> Network. It's kind of a crazy show, but it uses some stop motion in it. Oh, yeah, I've seen it. And, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's how they got restored. And they were in kind of rocky shape, 
one of Arthur Rankin's secretaries took him home because they basically didn't see the value of the puppets and kind of stuck him in with Christmas decorations, and they oh. just kind of got weathered over the years. Well, they must have been pretty well built if they lasted this long, because uh, I, I understand that Rudolph's head was taken off, and, and Santa didn't have his mouth, and part of his beard was missing. Right, yeah. They, were, uh, they weren't able to stand up, and they were pretty dirty. Um, they weren't functioning at all, and uh, basically the restoral um, project brought him back to life, and uh, Rudolph's nose even lights up now. <laughs> After it was filled with it's, clay, I guess, right? Right, and it's it's actually, they, um, they, they still kept intact what, what was there. Like, they didn't clean them up and repaint them and all of that. Oh. They, they basically cleaned them up in a, in a proper way so that they could still look the way that they should look for being that old. You know, uh, Rudolph's hair is kind of matted down and and aged, and the color isn't quite as bright as it, as I'm sure it was when it first was made. But they have a really neat look to them. Um, Santa's white fur and his jacket is kind of yellowed with age, and they're very cool to see up close. Now, there's one picture with you, Rick, that uh, you just look like you're in awe. It must have been something to see those restored. Yeah, the, uh, I, you know, what I look at is other people that that see them, through, you know, the first time in person, and they're always surprised that they're so small, uh, you know, and, and so many people grew up with these shows that, you know, it's like meeting a celebrity, Wow. Um, me, it's <laughs> I can't really enjoy Christmas anymore. At least since I became the Rankin Bass historian <laughs> about fifteen years ago. Wow, this is my busiest time of year. So I'm constantly working and shipping up packages and doing interviews and things that I can't even enjoy the holidays anymore. <laughs> well, you're making other people enjoy. Now, Rick, how much did these uh, these figures cost at the time to make? In 1964, I guess, was the year. Um, they were $5,000 wow. at the time. And that's in 1964 dollars. So you can imagine what they're worth today. Um, he's already been offered... Um, like a hundred thousand dollars cash. Wow! For the puppets, and I think they're worth even more than that. They're worth whatever somebody will pay for them. Oh, yeah. Obviously, they're television icons, and they're not only one of a kind, but they're one of a kind that's left from a group of you know puppets that were in the special. They're the only two that survived from Rudolph that we know of. Now, you own some figures yourself, right? I mean, uh, there are some people... I mean, I saw Father Time. Somebody owns him. Right. And I have uh, one from the first Christmas. And um, I have some woodcar figures from Mad Monster Party that the puppet makers made for Arthur (laughs) Rankin um, as a gift. They're like a salad, fork, and spoon set. Oh, cool. And you're not going to give those up, right? You're not going to give those up at all? Not going to sell them on eBay? <laughs> no, I wouldn't. Now, how much? Do, how how long do these productions usually take? For example, uh, you know, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. It took eighteen months. Oh wow! And, uh, yeah, eighteen months, and 
some of the animation is done simultaneously. That's why I think they had to make up, you know, various Rudolphs and some of the other characters. In fact, the commercials that aired during Rudolph were done by Rankin Bass, and they only featured um, three of the elves, and I think that was because they were free <laughs> to uh-huh. be used in animation. Like, they couldn't put Hermie in with the toothbrush because he was busy being animated for the special. They did everything simultaneously. Wow. Um, so that's why I think they chose three of the elves to do the commercials because they were pretty much already shot for the special. Now, are these puppets made out of uh, wood? I picture them being like, you know how you see the, the, the soldier with the mouth and the, the, right. the nutcracker? Were they made like that? Or did they put different yeah. mouths on there? Or? Well, the heads are, are wood um, from Rudolph. Well, Santa's head is anyway. Um, Rudolph, obviously, he's all like sort of a plush around the wire armature. But uh, they used a lot of different materials. Um, early on, they like for Rudolph's eyes, they used cut leather. Yeah, I noticed um, that. Later on, they used paper. Huh. So it's a lot of different types of materials were involved, um, paint and even some plastics. Like the one that I have... The hands are sort of a rubber latex mm. over the uh, the armature, and you can move the fingers and bend them around, and nothing tears. So they were very advanced, the Japanese, not only in animation but in creating puppets. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Yeah, I, I saw the pictures on your website and your blog, and it's just like wow. It's like seeing a like you said. It's like seeing a star from TV and just come alive again. It was just amazing. I'd like to see that in person. Well, you probably will because uh, we've been so successful in what we've already done that we've been asked to come back, and other places want to have us there. So I'm sure. You know, eventually it'll make it to your area, too. Now, uh, Rick, a couple more questions. Um, sure. Now, what's the difference between... Now, they call this Animagic, and they also... I remember I'm a big Thunderbirds fan, too, and they had their own little oh, animation yeah. name. And uh, So what's the difference between Animagic and Stop Motion? I mean, was there something Animagic, uh, special technique? Uh, the difference is the, um, the puppets, the style. Um, Stop motion, to me, um, it existed before Rankin-Bass, but Rankin-Bass's characters are more identifiable um, and have more of a personality than previous puppets. Um, You don't think of them as puppets. You think of them as living characters. (laughs) And it helps. They got, you know, famous celebrity voice actors like Burl Ives and and Fred Astaire. Um, They really had an identity... And um, that lasted, you know, 40-some years because of it. Um, you never see, like, the work of George Pell on TV because it just doesn't have the, the personality that, that these characters do. Video production just got easier. The DV Show. We work hard all day, but our work is play. 
Dolls we try out, see if they cry out. We are Santa's elves. Uh, I see this show so many times with my son. I know the words by heart. Believe me. Welcome back to this special holiday edition of the DV Show. We're speaking with Rick Goldschmidt, who is the official historian for Rankin Bass Productions, the production company who has brought you these wonderful stop-motion animation programs. Rick is the author of The Enchanted World of Rankin Bass, a book from Miser Brothers Press, and he's also the author of The Making of the Rankin Bass Holiday Classic, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And we're speaking with him here on the DV Show. Now, Rick, one question in my mind while I'm watching this is, uh, when Rudolph goes to the Island of Misfit Toys, what is actually wrong with that little girl doll? I'm sure you get this question a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I even asked that question for trivia, um, and then I asked people, I know which ones read my my articles and my website by their answer. (laughs) Um, Arthur Rankin just says that she was cast off by her mistress, and she became clinically depressed, and they didn't have Prozac back then. <laughs> My answer is, um, I went through all the scripts, and it doesn't stay. And Romeo Muller is no longer with us, so I can't really ask him, uh, um, the writer of the show, but... What I think happened was she was a very minor character in the first cut of the show. Um, I think she only had one line. And then later, they re-edited the ending to show them around the campfire and getting picked up by the sleigh. And she became more of a prominent character. And I think that Romeo might not have given any kind of... um, misfit quality to her just because she wasn't anything that was really a big part of the show the first <laughs> the first airing okay but other than that <laughs> you know that's uh, that is the number one question from from rudolph um there's a couple others too um and it took me a long time to get the the toy licensors to correct the name hermy <laughs> Because <laughs> it sounds like they're saying Herbie um, sometimes, and also um, it's spelled H-E-R-M-E-Y, and I've seen it spelled a whole bunch of different ways. Um, you know, I, even on the toys, they had it spelled wrong the first year that they came out with merchandise. Uh-huh. So what is his name, Herbie? It's Hermie, right? It's Hermie. Hermie. H-E-R-M-E-Y. Now, Rick, as the official historian of Rankin Bass, you must have got acquainted with a lot of very important people. I've become very good friends with the people over at Pixar, and I knew Andrew Stanton back when Toy Story was being made. Wow. And he wrote the afterword in my book, and then he went on to win the Academy Award for Finding Nemo, so that's kind kind of interesting. Yeah. Well, they've done a lot. I mean, I love enjoying it. I, you know, I, I enjoy watching it. It's good stuff, and I gotta get a hold of your book. I'm gonna purchase it today just to get more behind the scenes. So, if anybody's interested, we'll put the link in our show notes, and um, we'll just take it from there. Also, a link to your blog, which is very interesting to, to and read. And if you do buy it um, from RankinBass.com or even directly from me, I always sign and draw in it. Oh, nice. Um, the ones from Amazon and some of the other places would just come unsigned. But um, if you buy it from RankinBass.com, I, I sign and I usually draw the bumble 
unless you request something else. <laughs> you know. Now, where that name come from, Bumble? I know you're going to go to lunch, but what is this Bumble all about? Is my question. But we'll leave that well, for another time, unless you want to answer it. The Bumble just got written in by Romeo Muller. Um, he actually created so many of the characters that weren't in the song or in the in the storybook. The Misfit Toys and the Bumble and Yukon Cornelius, they they didn't even exist before the TV special. So you got to give them a lot of credit for wow. inventing characters. And he came up with that name, Bumble, because I think Yukon calls him that. Mm. Other than that, I mean, before that, he would have just been called the Abominable Snow Monster. But, uh, you know, the, Romeo was a genius, and... Uh, you got to give him a lot of credit for uh, for the longevity of everything. If he didn't write it, if he wrote it like they write some of the shows now, where it's all um, about gags and um, kind of you know inappropriate jokes, yeah, and they would not have lasted forty years. Yeah, you're right. There's a there's a timeless quality to what he wrote because it was well written. And uh, Pixar knows that too, you know. You don't see them doing, you know, farting jokes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, they, they might put one in like an entire movie, but most of it's about the characters and the writing, and and that's really the key to this whole thing. Right. That's exactly that's exactly right. That's a very very good point. Now you're also involved in the the remake of the DVDs, right? In the distribution of that. Well. Um, I'm always involved if they're going to give credit where credit is due. Um, Arthur and Jules should be on the front of the cover. Um, the Year Without a Santa Claus I was involved with this year, and there's a really nice documentary on there. And I basically rounded up everybody that I could that actually worked on the stuff. Wow. So um, if you pick that up, you can get that at Target fairly cheap. It has a really good documentary to what Rankin Bass is all about. Well, Rick, thank you for coming on the DB Show. We'll let you have lunch, and uh, lots sure. of information can be found in your book, uh, The Making right. of the Rankin Bass Holiday Classic, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And you can get that from um, uh, the Miser Brothers Press, and we'll put a link to that in our show notes, so if anybody's interested in that. And we'll also put a link to your blog, which you update every single day. I just saw the one there uh, with the bumble from the Big Lot stores, which was pretty cool. Right. That's cool. I like the design of that. Yeah, that was very cool. And uh, they that's the same guy who did the Apple commercial, too. I don't know if you've seen it yet, uh, but that was pretty no, cool. No, I haven't seen it. Yeah, you should take a look at it. It kind of gives you that Rankin-Bass feel all over again. Yeah, well, a lot of uh, animators are inspired and even uh, credit Rankin-Bass for the reason that they got into animation in the first place, so... Um, All right, you, think, you you enjoy your lunch, Rick, and uh, thanks for your time. If we have any questions about this in the future, you're the man to talk to. And we, we, we'll try our best not to call you next so you can enjoy your holiday. Well, happy holiday. Yeah, same to you. Happy holiday. And thank you for your time, and thanks for coming on the show. Thanks. thanks. All right, have a good holiday. Well, that does it for another show. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Now, if you have questions related to this program, digital video, or would just like to drop us a line, Visit the contact page on our website. We answer email very quickly and would be more than happy to assist you. Our passion here is to assist you in all areas of video production, and your questions and feedback are really important to us. Hey, let us know how we're doing and what you would like to hear on this podcast. I'll talk to you next time. 
for additional tips, tutorials, and to get your video questions answered, visit thedvshow.com. Stay on the cutting edge with The DV Show. Reach 120,000-plus monthly listeners with your message. Advertising on The DV Show works. Call 617-297-2906 or email brian at thedvshow.com for details and a media kit.